It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Welcome to Carcon Carne, out of the car, in the brewery, Sketchbook Brewery in Skokie, 4901 West Main Street. This brewery will be the site. This will be the location for Pravda Fest. It's happening in June. It is happening on June 24th, June 25th. Two nights of music celebrating the 38th anniversary of Pravda. And as we talk about Pravda, it is only right. It is only fair. It is only just that I'm talking to Ken Goodman, to my right, if you're watching, uh, and also Rick Mosier who are the foundation, the bedrock of Pravda Records, a, a venerable Chicago label, an institution, and a label strong enough to deliver a two-day festival at Sketchbook in Skokie. Let's start there. I want to cover Pravda history, but let's start there. June 24th, it is four artists. It is Boom Hank. That album, Nuisance, came out in the 90s. Yeah. Why didn't the world fall in love with that? Because I still love that record. I don't know, because I do too. Um, and I love the source of their name, too. You know where they got their name? No. Um, I don't either. I, no. The, uh, <laughs> no, it was um, uh, during a replacement show. Paul Westerberg walked up to the microphone to introduce one of their songs. And all that came out was, Boom Hank. He was that messed up. So, true story. So, that's where they got their name. I unless, love that. Unless Stump was making that up for me. But I love that story. So, Also on the bill, Hush Drops. A band that's been on Carcon Carney before will be on Carcon Carney again. Uh, talk about Pop Smarts. That last album of theirs is fantastic. Yeah, it's a classic Chicago band. Um, classic. Classic songwriting from uh, John San Juan. And uh, it's kind of a pop masterpiece, I, I think. It really is. Uh, I should cheers. We're at Sketchbook. We're hey, drinking cheers. beer. Sketchbook, yes. Great beer. Cheers. I want to thank them for the hospitality. This is the green. This will be the green room for oh, Pravda Fest. So we are sitting in the green room right now. Beautiful green room. It is beautiful. Well, there are cans. I, I hope people can get a sense. There are cans that go floor to ceiling here. This, this is like paradise. Yeah, it's a beer like, lovers' paradise. Yeah, we we've arrived. Uh, also on that Friday, the twenty fourth, Steve Dawson. Talk about Chicago institutions. This another, guy. another amazing songwriter that put out a amazingly crafted album uh, last year. And then there's Josh Caterer. Yeah, yeah. From the Smoking Popes, his and, solo and from records. the Carcon Carney theme song. Yeah, also a classic. Did not know that. It's true. Cool. Uh, Josh Caterer, who went solo with with his band, also featuring John San Juan. Yeah, of, we, uh, we share members in Pravda. Yeah, why not? Uh, that, that's a very Chicago thing. Very incestuous. You kind of yeah. Everybody's got to be in three or eight bands at a time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Josh Caterer because I think this is this is definitely a draw on that Friday. Uh, those two albums recorded at Space and the Hideout. Stunning. So it's him doing a bunch of standards, reworked versions of a couple Smoking Pope songs. What were your expectations when you agreed to throw in with Josh and put these records out? Well, I kind of agreed to do it um, sight unheard. <laughs> I just, you know, he had this concept and he brought it to me. And it was during the pandemic, obviously. He was going to go into the club, set up a live recording, no audience, and, and let it roll and do his set and uh i you know i had to, i respected him enough where i'm like i know i know it's going to be good and i know that uh you know i know that what 
what his concepts are with the songs, and I, I love the concept. And I'm a Smoking Popes fan from way back, so I'm like, let's do it. And then he delivered it, and then he, we did that record, and then he said, I'm going to do it again at Space. And he delivered another one, uh-huh. which he brought in the horns, the Total Pro horns. He brought in his daughter his daughter to sing, and it, it's, it's amazing. Like the, yeah, that duet is spectacular. Yeah, they do a, bu- a couple duets, and uh, Max Crawford did the horn arrangements, which he will be here playing with also uh, that night with the band. So it, it's, it's, it's pretty excellent. Saturday, the 25th, Pravda Fest in Skokie at Sketchbook. It is The Handcuffs. Mm-hmm. This is a band we've all seen live. They always kill it. Um, one of the most celebrated drummers. Brad Elvis. Uh-huh. Plays in the Romantics, played in Big Hello, played, you know, a legend. Elvis Brothers. Saw uh, them open for the Clash at the Aragon Ballroom. Get out. Yeah, we were there. What, yeah. tour, what tour was that? Was that Combat Rock? Was that... I'd, don't remember. Yeah, it must have been combat. I'd say rock. it was 1984. Yeah, so it was something you know. They were like, so oh, was the Elvis Brothers opening for the Clash. Yeah, it was like special surprise guest. And people liked them, which you know, it's hard to open for the Clash. <laughs> oh my God, I very can't hard imagine. to pull off. I can't yeah, they imagine. did it. They rocked it. Diplomats of Solid Sound, the Pride of Iowa, coming back to the area for Amazing a show. Amazing soul band. Yeah. This, um, I'm not sure there's enough space at Sketchbook to fit the entire band. They're going to try to make room fit the band on stage yeah there's there's like 46 members in 46. The band. Um, i'm not sure huge I, horn section i'm not convinced i'm not a member there are so many people you'll be on stage you know <laughs> you'll be there after a couple of beers everybody's you know everyone's gonna be on uh, stage. but diplomats of solid sound what a fun band yeah I mean, they're uh, one of those like bands you you don't think they're from iowa because they don't they don't have that typical iowa sound maybe that you would think of for indie rock it's 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 more like a classic soul band classic mm-hmm. soul band and like i said to them when i interviewed them a few weeks ago like if you don't find yourself moving to that music there's something fundamentally wrong with you genetically there's there's no avoiding moving your body to that music yeah. the slugs this is this to me is the the surprise appearance of the entire weekend this is something i never thought we'd see happen in our lifetime nobody did let tell me about the slugs because i i've told doug jewel in this a million times i have distinct memories doing college radio in Lawrence, Kansas, playing Clock That Won't Stop, um, early Slugs track. To me, they they helped shape my understanding of what Chicago and Midwestern independent music was. So tell me about your history with the Slugs. I guess, talk about the Slugs. Okay. Well, the Slugs were one of the first uh, signings on Pravda uh, back in, I think, 87. We put out a single uh, first that they... uh, recorded for us. They did one single on Sustones, and then they made the switch to Pravda. Uh, we were local. We were kind of running into each other uh, at the Metro. I th- yeah, a couple of them worked at the Pravda record store, and I just we, we run into each other and, uh, at the what was that Wednesday night thing they had there? Uh, Rock Against Rock Depression. Rock Against Depression. Three bands. It was like $3. Yeah, it was became cool. a big deal because mm-hmm. uh, we would there would be a thousand people showing up for these things. So the slugs would play, the service would play. Green at the time was on the label. The farmers, all these early Pravda bands, we would do like Pravda nights. So uh, anyway, before that, I just started talking to Dog and Mike, the drummer, and who actually became our booking agent. Um, and uh, it just it was one of the first bands we signed, and they did the nonstop holiday record, and we did it on vinyl and cassette. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. in, uh, you know, we didn't know we didn't know what CDs were. And, uh, they didn't really have CDs. No. Yeah. So we did vinyl and we did cassettes, and it, it did well. The band went on tour quite a bit back in the day. Got in the van and uh, 
went on tour, and uh, it was it was a pretty successful record for us for the time. Dog and Greg Julin. Yeah, they're brothers. Uh, they're brothers. Uh, there's a little bit of a corrosiveness <laughs> to the two of them. Like all great brother bands. Like all, fair enough. You never know. Will it be a fist fight? Will it be a great show? Well, we're, we're hoping for a lot of love. Let's <laughs> yeah. let's bring the love. And maybe enough a time has elapsed. A little fist fight would be cool, but no, it wouldn't be cool. No, it wouldn't be fun. cool. Not at Sketchbook and Skokie, forty nine zero one Main Street. So wait, I, I, the thing is, I just kind of contacted them. I said, I really want you to do this gig. Um, I think it'd be terrific if you guys kind of headline Saturday night. The you know the return of the slugs, and eventually they. Um, talk to each other and they also thought it'd be a joyous occasion so we kind of brokered a deal and <laughs> they, they, they uh, brokered a up. historic peace accord yeah we did a did. peace <laughs> accord with the slugs and uh, we eventually actually had a rehearsal and I think it went really, went really well did they play whatever I love whatever I'm sure you know, they'll do all the hits I love all their songs I wasn't at the rehearsal so many great So many hooks, great songs. Bit, just yeah, great, great songwriters. Great okay. So the other band playing on Saturday the 25th is The Service. And let's, let's get into it. The Service was your band. Started in the 1980s. You started this band, and because you needed a way to get the word out there, you built the label around The Service. Basically, yeah. I mean, we were college roommates. Um, we started a, a band initially called BB and the Guns at, at Northern Illinois University. And that we met in the dorms. That was a new wave band, in case <laughs> you were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> BB was, we were new wavers. We were new wavers. We wore makeup. Um, we had the makeup, like, we had the synths. We, I, you know, I yeah. played synthesizers, and yeah. I wore eyeliner. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was, I mean, it was high new wave, you know, 1981. Skinny ties. Of course. Yeah. Uh, That's what you did. Wacky clothes. We used to shop at Wax Tracks, like the upstairs part where you buy the clothes. Right. Wax yeah. Tracks, in my childhood, the loudest place in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, visited yeah. there. No, so yeah. we started that band, and then uh, that it kind of we we kind of wanted to do something different. We went through phases where we would want to be the psychedelic furs. Then we would want to, or me at least, yeah, want, I get Then it. we would want to be big country, and then we would want to be Sex REM after, yeah. And so there was always some band that we were sort of emulating, and um, we you know we sort of went through phases, yeah. So so yeah we. You know, we eliminated having a female singer, and, and then uh, we got another singer. We didn't eliminate her. She, <laughs> she kind of left the that band. That sounds terrible. She left on her own. Right. Yeah. She, we didn't eliminate her. She, yeah, no. she left because she had a track scholarship, and we, we were, like, starting to want to be on the road. Mm-hmm. So but we, we still are really good friends with her and everything. And then uh, yeah. we became the service. Actually, we became secret service first, and then we became the service, and then we became a, a four-piece eventually. But so we had uh, we wanted to make cassettes like back then. Let's let's release a cassette, mm-hmm. a, a cassette EP. So we went into the studio, recorded and like oh, five we're gonna, songs. We're gonna release this five song cassette. And we like, okay, what's the name of the the record label? We're like Pravda because we were reading we were reading a lot of Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> there was some there was something that said Pravda is students. the yeah, untold truth. Very yeah. yeah like like truth anyway. So in our in our you know, addled brains. This was a great name. But since the years have gone by, n- no one ever spelled it or said it right. And it's pretty funny. You got it. Yeah, half our mail says Pravada. Pravada, Pravada, Pradada. We had a collection on our wall of all the various spellings. Incorrect spellings of the label. Yeah, yeah but, good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and then I took some 
scratch like rub type and I, ma I came up with a logo like this is before computers. Electro set. I'm like, okay, yeah. let me scratch off on this, this font and it was all crackly. I'm like, that's the logo. Yeah. And we put it on the cassette and then we released it and then we went on the road and we were like, oh, we have a band and we have a label. And then we recorded four more songs and we, we delved into pressing up vinyl and like, you know, we didn't really exactly know what we were doing but I started researching, okay, how do, how do I press vinyl. It was literally Which, a kitchen then, table thing. Yeah. Back then, I mean, I'm sure there was a fair amount of research to do because the information wasn't all there at your fingertips. There's no internet. I mean, there, there's no guidebook. And it anywhere. was really expensive, too, for us, at least, you know, and involved in so many mistakes so, you could make. Yeah, and, so we, yeah. we found a pressing plant in St. Louis called United, and uh, we literally uh, we, we got them all with the things they needed for the jacket and the record, and we when they were done, we drove down there and picked them up in the van. We're like, we're like, yeah. we're going to get them. Oh yeah, you don't want to pay shipping. You don't yeah. want to pay shipping on that. So, it was a record called Zebu that was our foray into releasing vinyl. Yeah. And then we went back on the road, and we were like, we had this record. So we're like, but you have that. But that there's the thing where you first, you finally get the record that you know the music you've been playing and nurturing, and then you record it, and then you finally come to that end point when you're holding this record right and i mean maybe it might not mean exactly the same thing now but back then it was like not everyone could make a record i'm like right? aerosmith man yeah, uh, right we, we all have we records have, now we have, we have the vinyl uh, yeah and, so. and it made you it immediately lifted you up to a certain level of you know rock bandness it, where, it's a professional move where you, yeah you're a right. professional it's musician also, you have something on vinyl super super ego it was something based. you could send around <laughs> yeah. the world for, for yeah. reviews yeah and for people yeah. and, and you send it to the radio stations for airplay, which, which back then there was a huge college oh, network, yeah. college station network that that played like you know, uh, indie records. And like, our first full-length record, America's Newest Hitmakers, um, and we'll be playing a lot of those songs. Actually, we just had a little rehearsal, me and Kenny, <laughs> and so we went through some of the old, you know, like Time Was and Ten Miles and all these songs that you know are part of our you know lore, kind of. But um, we did this record, and it got reviewed in the Melody Maker in in England. Huge. And there were, sto were stories about us in Germany. And the guy and, liked and, it. And, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I read were, it a thousand times. I bet. They were printing our picture in Germany, and we didn't even know what they said. It was a German. Like, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, that well, was funny. Yeah. They can't hate us. They put it in our picture. Yeah, it had to be good. So and, we got uh, we. <laughs> Yeah, whatever whatever Schlecht means, that's what we were. So it was good. No, the um, no, and the, so that experience of having our work go out, you know, into the world. Oh, yeah. was intoxicating. You know, really amazing, and still is. But did you guys know you had an entrepreneurial spirit? Yes. Besides being musicians, like, did this just kind of codify well, that? Ken was the driving force in that regard. But yeah, we were both of a mind. I think. I mean, I've, I've always, I, I decided when I was twelve years old, I'm going to be in the music business. But I, I was someday you will be. Too. I was yeah. One day I'm going to join the music business. But <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a musician. I started out a musician, but I just always like oh, I want to. I want to figure out the business end of things. So figure out how it works. And I decided that really young because I was always in a band and no one really knew how a lot of the stuff worked. Right. So I'm like, oh, I, someone has to figure this out. Someone has to figure out how to book a band, how to record a band, how to you know manage a band, and it sort of always fell in my direction, mm -hmm. uh, the business part of things. And then I actually got a job 
at a record distributor in high school called Baker Taylor. I, don't I know. remember, sure. They had a huge warehouse, mm-hmm. and I would walk around and pick orders for record stores after school. Like a, what a dream gig for and, a high yeah, school big, kid. Oh, man, everyone's buying Pink Floyd The Wall. What's going on? Like, it was like every order was 10 Pink Floyd The Walls and then Tom Petty, you know. So, I'm, so yeah, you'd get a thing from Record City or all these other record stores, mm-hmm. and you'd, you'd go pick the records off the huge warehouse shelves and uh, put them in boxes. And then, you know, you just kind of looked at all the records going, oh, this is amazing. And then, you know, I, I ended up in that business, which is... Started young. For sure you started young. So you put out the service music. What was the first non, non-you band that you signed? So... We would go to Iowa a lot. Like we, we, we had gigs in Iowa all the time, um, and we would meet Iowa bands. I think it was the Shy Strangers. Shy Strangers, Claude Page, which is Doug from the Diplomats of Solid Sound, and then there's a yep. band from Ames called Claude Pate, who both played gigs with us in various clubs in Iowa, Ames, Iowa City. And they sent, they, yeah, they sent us their tape. You know, like we're like, as oh, you do. You, oh, you guys have a label. We're like, yeah, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah. Uh, they would send us uh, their music, and because we, we're, you know, I just said I'll put out your record, you know. But we were all very much at the same level of you know playing shows to whoever might come. Sometimes, no one. Sometimes fifty or sixty people, sure. playing for very little money. You know, all we were all kind of in the same mindset and mm-hmm. the same culture. So to have things have changed, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, uh, you'd like to think so. So, um, but they and and so we were friends. And label mates, I think, yeah. safe to say. So we, yeah. yeah, we were, we, you know, we were just very friendly with bands because we were all, like you said, in the same scene, mm-hmm. trying to get the same gigs, trying same, to get following. Same problems, same dreams, um, same stumbling you blocks, know, same yeah. drinking problems. We were just, you know, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> uh, cheers. All, I'll do, drink to all that. doing the same, <laughs> the same stuff. However, you know, I would go home and figure out how to put out records by people. And I would go home and try to write a hit song. Yeah. So. so then we, I met a band in Des Moines called The Hollow Men, and they had a full-length record. That, that was a cool we band. We thought was amazing. <laughs> Man, were they cool. It was a, it's like a, really a gem of a record from 1988. Yeah, man. And they have a song called Never Ending Ceiling, which yeah. is, is it on? I don't think it's on that. It is. It is? And then we put that out a, a man, band so cool. from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, we ran into called 13 Nightmares. And Which, their song, yeah, they were amazing. That song, uh, Angel Sleep, that's a great, I mean, I wasn't really into songs, so. But listening yeah. to you guys, this is what people who run a record label should be, fans of music. You're, you're fans first. We certainly weren't making money from it. Well, there you go. But I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we, I mean, I was always business minded, but it wasn't like, oh, I got I got to make a ton of money off this record. I, I just like, we, you know. Yeah, we never really thought it was successful if it made or didn't make money, right? I mean, it would be nice, but basically Airplay was really... Airplay was really what made us feel noticed and successful at first. Like if we were on... Because CMJ and, all, you mm-hmm. know, maybe another one would come out with their list of who's playing CMJ what. CMJ was college radio. College music journal, right? And um, Rock pool. Yeah, there were some there's some basically trade organizations for college radio, and they mm-hmm. would say who's playing what, and if one of our records showed up, it'd be very rewarding. But it didn't really mean we were selling any records. College radio did not turn into sales. No, it still doesn't. <laughs> Does it help with touring, though? Yeah, it, well, with word of mouth, sure. Yeah, yeah it gets people excited or When you go them. on tour, you, you set up interviews in radio stations, and... 
it sometimes helps get people a little excited yeah. in the college towns that are listening to college radio. But but mainly it's for the band to keep them like, you know, like thinking that things are happening. It <laughs> matters to go to a yeah, and and we would have uh, often we would do an interview and be like that was a great interview, and they'd be like yeah, well, um, we only broadcast to the dorms. Yeah. <laughs> it's a five watt radio station, but you guys are really sweet to come. We'd be, you know, yeah, we're uh, like, okay, that was fun. Well, I, I remember doing fun. radio interviews. Um, now I do them in the back corners of breweries. We've come a long way. We have come a long way. <laughs> it, it, I think breweries are more enjoyable. Oh my God, about a million times more. They give you like one free beer per interview. You got your free beer. Cheers. Cheers. It's, it's almost gone. We're, we're recording this on a very hot day. It is the hot. hottest day of the year so far yes. in the Chicago area. So we're drinking cold beer, though. Mm. We the, the, the cold beer from Sketchbook is. There's key. no warm glug it's here. Really good beer at Sketchbook. This is what is this? The insufficient hazy IPA. Very tasty. They, they have uh, percentages to accommodate every drinker's needs here. <laughs> I, I think yes. the uh, the the amber is the the safest, and there's like an 11 percent somewhere on there. I, I forgot. Yeah. The service would have liked that. <laughs> uh, were your parents proud when you finally said, hey, uh, we're, we're going to join the service? <laughs> I did register for the selective service, um, yeah. and then I joined. Yeah, we No, I mean, we dropped out of college to, to really go all in and move to Chicago. We were in DeKalb, Illinois, and NIU, and we dropped out. Yeah, the label, out. we had a P.O. box in DeKalb, yeah. uh, and we, we'd go check it every day for our you know, um, various mail orders. And then we're like, we're making the big move. We're moving to Rogers Park. Yes. Yep. Look out, Rogers Park. Here we come. This label is going to kick ass in Rogers Park. And we, we moved. We all got an apartment off of Devon. And the label was started started being run out of the, the apartment on Devon, you know, Devon and Francisco. If you're picturing all of us in one apartment. I am. You can, yeah. It was I am like Devon that. and Francisco. I'm trying to. It's, it's like an Indian neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, exactly. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and but, but we were really happy of course all living together and having our parties oh yeah and good times you were yeah. living the american dream yeah it's the american we rock were. and roll band dream we had american a van we had an did. apartment we had a record label and uh you know we we had a telephone um and we were able to yeah <laughs> so how, how and when did the record store start that was 1986 after we moved to chicago um i thought i should open a record store to supplement the label and the, the operation. This is the entrepreneurship. Yeah, this just is my about. big dream. Uh, so I thought he was nuts, but you know, I I found a location um, in the metro. There was a storefront mm -hmm. that that they were the guy that had the store was leaving. It was called Ninety Ninth Floor. So I immediately called Joe Shanahan and Joe Prino, who owned the metro. I'm like, I want to rent that spot. I want to open a record store, and I'm ready to go whenever you are. And you're like, that's a great idea. And they gave me the spot. It was like a very <laughs> quick and agreeable uh, situation. And they just came up with how much it was going to cost. And then I borrowed a bunch of money. And As you do. I opened Pravda Records, the, the retail outlet. And then from that, we were able to have daily cash flow, sort mm -hmm. of, and uh, um, fund the label a little more. And then we opened an office on, like, Originally, the office was on the other side of Metro. There was another storefront. Teeny weeny little but storefront they, with they didn't blackened have windows. Heat. Yeah, it was a very small. So we said, let's. We found an office on Southport that had a heater, and uh, 
we rented that before Southport became a popular area. It was mm-hmm. a little run down. It was cheap. And we rented this uh, storefront office, and it had a basement where bands practiced. And, it, and uh, there was a guy living behind us named Carl. We didn't mind loud music, oh, and, and he, he didn't mind. Carl. He, he didn't mind any of the stuff we were doing because he wasn't really dialed in. Like Urge Overkill would be rehearsing in the basement, right. and all these bands, uh, and he was just like, "That sounds pretty good." What are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, so we had a great setup until that area became highly gentrified, and we highly got, uh, removed. As you talk about these moments, you know, Urge rehearsing in the basement. I keep coming back to, depending on the guest, that moment in time in Chicago, which for people who weren't there from the outside is kind of perceived as Camelot, like this magical, wonderful time when things like that were happening. Is that accurate or was it just you were doing what you did? Well, we were doing what we did, just like people now are doing what they do. I mean, um, for us, it was pretty magical. I do remember, though, there was sort of a, a golden age of Chicago alternative music with Smashing Pumpkins, sure. George Overkill, Material Issue. Um, Liz Trump Fair. Getting a million of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Um, there was that level of things happening. Seether there. Band. Yeah, Vic, <laughs> Veruca Salt. Salt. But then um, there was the level of the bands like the Slugs. Mm-hmm. The service to where we were that weren't really getting the attention or the crowds. Well, we would play the West End and the Cubby Bear and the Lounge X. And, well, we, and we knew those guys partly because they came into the store. Oh, yeah, of course. records. Like, like of course. you know, Jim Ellison would come in like, hey, man, why aren't my records up here in the front? Like, Jim Ellison of Material Issue. Material Issue. Carry mm-hmm. all his records up and put them in the front because that's how he always was, you know. Um, so we were... We were embedded in the scene. Yeah, we, uh, were, we were really a part of it without being famous. People wanted popular. to be in our store because they would play Metro, and then sure. after they're done playing, people would buy their records. Right. Like, it was a really good outlet. It really was. For well, bef- national bands and local bands. Bef- or sure. before they played, they would do a record signing or mm-hmm. just come in and check their, you know, do a, a meet and greet kind of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everyone, like... You know, from Gigi Allen to Gene Loves Jezebel, like literally came into our store and, you know, talked and hung out and all that. So Nick Cave actually worked the register after his show. He did. Celtic Frost came in and were like Uh, singing along to their records. And I don't know. It was it was crazy. Like Iggy Pop and Duran Duran played there. This does sound like Camelot to me. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was a little bit. (laughs) Pete Buck came in and he was thrilled to see the green R.E.M. single. So he was like, oh. You might want to explain that just a little bit. So this is like yeah, music, music not history. Not too much this in the weeds, I Okay, hope. well, R.E.M. released a record called Green, an album. Mm-hmm. So at the time, Green was on the label, so we released Band. a 7-inch called R.E.M. <laughs> and uh, I, I knew the story, but it's still funny it to hear funny it said out loud. It was funny at It was funny, and then Pete Buck came in, and he thought it was funny, and <laughs> bought a bunch of them. And, yeah, you know, uh, we got pictures of him holding... That's this amazing. This that big goofy face. And he, he was a big fan of the store because he would shop there whenever he came to town. He did, you know, played at Metro and did all kinds of stuff over the years. That's amazing. All right. So we're at Sketchbook on Main Street in Skokie. June 24th, June 25th, it is Pravda Fest. It is an anniversary celebration. It is the 38th anniversary, which, as we know, is the most symbolic and important of all the anniversaries. Um, yeah, the, it, it's the it's, beer can anniversary. It's, it's the, yeah, that's when you make a beer. Um, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. But 35 was going to be the anniversary party, but 
There was that pesky pandemic that happened. Right. I don't I know if you about heard that. about no, it. I read about it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded horrible. It was really five is the epidemic. Really weird. So we said let's do it at thirty eight because you know. 40s a long ways away. We may not make it. And uh, let's just do it now in 38. And then we just kind of wrote something down. There's very Chicago about doing a 38th 38, anniversary. And we liked the way it looked. And then uh, Sketchbook was very cooperative and said, yeah, let's do Pravda 38 beer. Let's have it here. And that's how it kind of came together. I looked online because I, I don't know what you give someone for a 30th anniversary. Luck is what you're supposed to give someone on the 38th anniversary. Is that true? It is Luck. true. Luck. I don't, I don't know how you translate that to a gift other than cheers. Good luck. Have at it, guys. Fingers crossed. Send it our way. A card, I guess. I don't know. But that said, if luck is the anniversary present, I mean, you got to feel kind of lucky that we're here talking about Pravda 38 years after you guys started abandoning a college dorm. Honestly, I mean, we're lucky that we can get on stage and play the old songs that we, you know, wrote and recorded in 1983, you know, and they sound pretty good, actually, um, and we're all able to play them, so that's... Yeah, that's pretty lucky. I'll take that. That's incredibly lucky. And then, yeah, I feel lucky that, yeah, the other bands that are playing are, like, are, we're all friends and, you know, um, enjoy each other's music and each other's company. So that's important. Yeah, at one point there was a pretty healthy competition, I would say, between you and us and the slugs and so on. Yeah, but that's it was all healthy. gone now. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and again, Friday the 24th, it is Boom Hank, Hush Drop, Steve Dawson, and Josh Caterer. Saturday the 25th, Handcuffs, Diplomats of Solid Sound, The Service, and The Slugs. Awesome. Either night's a winner, you should go to both. I think both would be both. the best thing to do. And like you mentioned, Sketchbook is doing a Pravda 30th anniversary beer. That's fantastic. I'll drink to yeah, that. Yeah, there's, there's a beautiful can coming out, and uh, they're going to obviously have it here. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, a nice indie rock lager, as we call it. <laughs> as we talk about lager. the artists who've been on the label, and you, you talked about that scene in Chicago with artists like Farouk Assault and uh, Urge and Liz taking off. It seems to me that Pravda's never been a label to follow a trend or, or try to catch or, or jump on any train you've just kind of followed your muse and well we did try to sign Baruch Assault um, they said no um, <laughs> nicely they were they, we recorded so we, rec we recorded a song with them they were going to be on a compilation and then they realized they wouldn't even give us that so um, yeah so the compilation the, the 20 explosive hit explosions volume 3 volume we, 3 I'm like I want Baruch Assault and I, you know, I kind of knew, you know, the gals in the band, and I, they agreed to do it and everything. And what then song were they going to do? My Sharona. Oh, well, that would be which they awesome. which they did. did. Yeah, they did it. And then uh, oh, that's. And then they got a manager. Yeah, <laughs> like, it happened immediately. A day later, like, oh no, you're not giving that to Pravda. That's but going on Gether. But these records that we did, um, and actually, and then I actually left the label shortly after these records came out, and Kenny went on, like, you know, at the at the helm. But at that time, like 70s one-hit wonders, you really didn't hear them. I mean, mm -hmm. this was before, um, bef they were still very much like, you know. Yacht rock wasn't a, a genre and it wasn't cool right. at and that it's point. It's all like Brandy, you know, yeah. which now I think, maybe I'm wrong, but more people sort of remember. And oh my God, Local H just covered it. Sure. And they killed it. Right. But back then, or Love Grows, My Rosemary Goes, uh -huh. something like that. Um, which we heard, we played with the replacements in Tucson at a little club, mm -hmm. and uh, they were, they played 
you know, a third of that song, but it was just like, oh my God, I remember that from when I was 12. And it was really exciting and, and, and moving when they did it, a third of it. And then Bob Stinson asked me to buy him a beer. And then I think we partied with them. Yeah, we went to some weird house. And then the next, two nights later, we were supposed to play with them in Oklahoma City. We were trying to drive there, but then the physical wheel came off our van. <laughs> it's driving on the highway. Like, I was driving, and it's all like, bam! And then the wheel, like, bounces. <laughs> I can still see it, like, bouncing ahead of us over a hill. And then so we ground to a halt, and our brake drum dug this, like, huge, gnarly groove in the highway, like, a half a mile. And so we were screwed. We couldn't get to Oklahoma City. And then, but the replacements, who are now kind of our friends, introduced uh they said uh at one point they're like hey we're the surfaces from chicago right which was but we know that because it's on the shit hit oh, can i say that they said it the shit hits the fans which is mm -hmm. a legendary replacement mm -hmm. cassette bootleg. only bootleg uh and i don't know what i was talking about but that's our that's we're, one of I our think you were, i think you were edging us closer to the background of the k-telecoms yes and so we heard those great songs and then we back? thought right, right, yeah. right and we thought wouldn't it be cool if like we try to get all these up and coming and kind of popular becoming bands like Smashing Pumpkins, Urge Overkill, I mean, you know, can name Material more Issue. Material and, Issue. Yeah. And try to get them to cover these 70s hits and put it out in this packaging that really mimicked the KTEL mm -hmm. smash and explosions, you know, with the big swirl and everything and the cartoon lettering. Um, and that I, happened. I still covet my CDs. I, I still covet those. You know, and I, that's all I wanted for Christmas when I was like 10 or 11 is like, I, I want that KTEL album that I'm I talking about the TV. Pravda releases, but yes. Oh, well, well, thank you. Yeah, well, right. And we were trying to obviously, you know, do an homage to that. And, um, Which we I, did. I, yeah, it turned out so, I mean, it's, it's, it still makes me smile. I mean, it came out so cool. And uh, we did a couple, three of them. Yeah, the Slugs did Hooked on a Feeling. Yep. It's still one of my favorite. Ooga, yep. chaga, uh, ooga, and ooga, ooga, chaga. Sheer Accident did Theme from Shaft. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Those guys are mind blowing. Out of control. And the um, Pumpkins did Jackie Blue. Yeah, the Pumpkins. It was one of their yeah. first uh, ever recorded songs. Um, yeah. That, that they did. Billy was working at a record store on yeah. Broadway. I just went over there. I'm like, you want to do this song? He's <laughs> like, yeah. Sure. And Amazing. He, so. The Pravda 30th anniversary, the fest. Pravda Fest happens here at Sketchbook. There, there's so much we could, we could cover, but we'll revisit the 38 years worth of history here at Sketchbook this summer. What a, what a festival. This is, this is an event. It's local, mostly local, uh, independent music, Pravda Records. I, I, I've been a fan from the get-go. I, I really love that we can celebrate you guys and Thank what you. you've done here in Skokie at the end of June. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Skokie, so it's going to be even... More fantastic for me to do it in Skokie. Then the Record City reference from earlier up makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes back. That was my childhood. Every weekend spending my allowance in Record City. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went to, you mentioned Psychedelic Furs. I remember going we were to. There. Uh, for the in-store. Yeah. I still, in -store, I still yeah. have my signed Talk, Talk, Talk. Yep, here's the Talk, Talk, Talk. For, from that day, we both I went. I too. Yeah, and, I'm uh, like. He's like, Richard Butler's like, what should I write? I'm like, something about blue cars, man. He's the way he signed it. So. I, I went to the Furs in-store. <laughs> he wrote into you like a train in my <laughs> record. Train. I went to the King Crimson in-store. They did uh, an in-store for, I think it was Three of a Perfect Pair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy. It's a great store. That was my childhood. Oh, I, me I too. I remember buying like, tapestries. They had those like silk tapestries. I rode wall. my bike there, yeah, uh -huh. uh, at least once a week. I, I got the sweet Zeppelin swan song tapestry for my wall. as a Either that show. or Bob Marley. One uh -huh. of the two. Exactly right. All right. Pravda Fest at Sketchbook on Main Street in Skokie, June 24th, June 25th. 
In addition to the other, other stellar sketchbook beers, there will be a Pravda beer just in time for the festival. Um, Ken and Rick from Pravda and the service. We can see the service on the Saturday night. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thanks for hanging out at the brewery. Thanks for having us, James. And thank yeah. you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Sketchbook. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>